One of the greatest things I ever learned was that the poor teach their children how to buy. The rich teach their children how to sell. And the wealthy, they teach their children how to acquire. On this special edition of the Black Equity Podcast for Martin Luther King Jr. Holiday, we're going to show you how to acquire your first business. I'm DJ Motri of the Black Equity Network, and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Black Equity listeners, we are here for another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast, and we are right up my alley. We are here to talk about business acquisitions, mergers, um, and acquisitions. This is very exciting. I have on the line Xavier Egan. He's the owner and director of MA at River City Business Alliance. Xavier, are you there? Yes, sir. I am. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me out, DJ. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. I'm glad we're having this uh, opportunity to speak today. For those who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Absolutely. Uh, so as you delightedly uh, offered, uh, my name is Xavier Egan. Uh, I am the Director of Mergers and Acquisition for River City Business Alliance. We're a boutique uh, business brokerage. Ultimately, that means we help uh, clientele on the private side of industry more or less buy uh, companies that are privately held, already established with cash flow. Or on the other side, we help companies or vendors who have already been in business for some period of time with succession planning and transitioning uh, by finding buyers to uh, keep their legacy up and moving forward. I love it. I love it. So how did you first get into this sector? How did you get into this world? Uh, Well, Short story version of that, uh, I actually always just dreamed of uh, being in business. 
So I've uh, tried my hand at a lot of things on the creationism side of the uh, gauntlet, uh, which most of us are pretty familiar with, uh, the opportunity that we can start anything that we want uh, with our dreams, hopes, and desires. Uh, and I, I did that a few times. Uh, I went into real estate a bit. And then I thought, well, hey, there's got to be a different way where maybe I can, uh, instead of taking the negative cash flow or the sweat equity of uh, trying to figure out my own market and building my own customer brand, how can I just get something that somebody's already done the work for me? So I kind of went on my own opportunity pool of uh, searching out uh, different opportunities. Uh, and I found out that there was a whole market of uh, more or less interchange or exchange of uh, businesses that happens day in and day out. Uh, and it was kind of that business broker market. Uh, so back then, initially, I, I just focused on trying to find acquisitions for myself. And I had a difficult time. Obviously, it wasn't that many people who uh, looked exactly like me. I was pretty young at the time, so I might not have had all the assets they may have wanted, didn't have all the connections. Uh, so I took a little time to investigate it myself, and I decided to start my own brand. Uh, I teamed up with a couple uh, national brokerage chains at first. Uh, to kind of get a little bit more insight into the industry. Uh, and then ultimately, I kind of created my own brand and have been doing it ever since. Awesome. Awesome. And you're located in Texas? Is that yes, correct? Yes, sir. Arlington, Texas, right uh, close by the Cowboys Stadium. So right in the middle. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we're going to have to talk about that. I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that a little later. Um, so, but can you service everyone in the United States or are you uh, restricted to just your area? Excellent question. Uh, well, the way, uh, the business brokerage world works is in certain States, uh, it's closely tied into the real estate market and with good reason, okay. right? Uh, in most people's mindsets, real estate and business are conjoined at the hips. Uh, and in reality, there's a lot of businesses that don't have real estate. Uh, however, there's some legislation in certain states that kind of requires a broker to be associated as a realtor. So in those particular states, which I think there's only a dozen of those out of our uh, great 50 that we have available, uh, ultimately, I team up with realtors in the area to kind of help our customers uh, in those areas. Uh, otherwise, it's something that I can help anybody in any state, uh, any size business, any industry. Uh, it's pretty straightforward kind of how the relationship works. Awesome. So I, I want to kind of go into the idea of business acquisition. Mm -hmm. uh, full disclosure, I, I, I studied acquisitions um, for my graduate studies. Excellent. So, um, I just want people to know I'm not, you know, coming in here uh, blind, but I do want to simplify it just a little. Sure. Bit. So for uh, the world of business acquisitions, we compare that to someone starting a business and you mentioned hey, I can, you know, go ahead and acquire something that's already, you know, been done already. It's already in motion. Um, why is that a ha an aha moment when you, when you, you know, you open that door and you realize, ooh, business acquisitions, cash flow, you know, here's a really great opportunity. Why, why was that an aha moment? Well, I think it's not something that's uh, very versed for a lot of us. Uh, although it's something that you can learn about in higher education, and you hear about in, uh, you know, financial markets, uh, industries gobbling up each other, you know, different companies uh, merging or acquiring other companies all the time. It doesn't seem like uh, something that is 
or an everyday man type uh, subset. Uh, it seems a little far-fetched, you know, when you think about Facebook, you know, acquiring YouTube or something like that, or Google acquiring YouTube, rather, and Facebook getting uh, WhatsApp or things of that nature. You know, they talk about millions and millions of dollars that are changing hands. And so it's not something that you naturally think of as, hey, I'm just an everyday guy who's went to work, uh, did my stint in corporate or, you know, did my time to where I have a little investment capital saved up and I can truly go start my own business or I can just buy a business. I can acquire something where somebody who's already put that sweat and tears in, figured out the relationships with customers and already has the cash flow. It just usually seems like that's not an option for us. Uh, people aren't familiar with the idea that there's a lot of lending opportunity there uh, in that market. They're more, uh, I guess, uh, surprised or shown a lot more visibility into the real estate market where, you know, acquisitions of real estate or disposition of real estate is something that people talk about very frequently. Uh, and they talk about it from an everyday man standpoint, you know, where, hey, I can be a millionaire, but you too, as a regular guy, regular Joe, can invest as well and maybe try your hand at being a millionaire. On the acquisition for business side, it turns out to be more simplistic. Instead of uh, trying to be a millionaire, you could just be trying to replace your salary. Uh, something as simple as that. Hey, I've worked hard enough to make $100,000 or in, in you know, the economies of scale. Maybe I want that same money to take care of my family. I just don't want a boss anymore. And that simple relationship can be made for anybody. And it could also go as, you know, detailed and as intrinsic as, you know, private equity companies or mergers and acquisitions of skills of uh, larger companies and things of that nature. Uh, so it's, it's an aha moment just because it turns out that it's something that any of us can do. Uh, we just got to choose it, you know, and position ourselves for it accordingly. Now, am I hearing this correctly? You're saying any of us can go out. And, of course, with the, the proper know-how and the right team, we can go out and acquire a business that is cash flowing? Absolutely. Uh, it's something, as I said, that people just don't talk about regularly. Uh, if we were looking at sizes of businesses or numbers of values, uh, somebody can go out and buy a company for as small as twenty or 30000 or even 10000 you know, uh, all the way up to millions of dollars. It just depends on what they're looking for, how much cash flow they want out of it, how much opportunity, how much growth, you know, what industry, uh, how big it can grow uh, might make it a little cheaper up front versus how much cash it has today already for you, right? Right. So let me ask this. If I'm, if I'm thinking of going down this path, what are some of the things I need uh, in order to get ready for this? You know, if I'm if I'm thinking, OK, well, this may be for me, what kind of things that I need to go ahead and start getting in place and getting in order? Excellent question. I say the first thing, which is going to be uh, straightforward, probably in any industry is is going to be money. <laughs> okay. Now, the positive there is uh, I'm not going to tell you some, uh, you know, unfathomable way about that. You don't go to have to go rob a jewelry store or anything uh, to make that happen. Uh, right it's a lot of variable options out there for people that they're just not aware of. I'd say probably the first thing that uh, they tell you in books about starting your own business is that lots of people gain their uh, first investments from their own, uh, obviously savings or friends and family. 
well, one of those savings uh, options that they're talking about uh, may be something that's not too far-fetched to a lot of us if we've worked in the industry or corporate at some point in time. And that could be just as simply as our retirement plan. A uh, little thing or a little secret a lot of people don't know is there's an opportunity out there uh, with a rollover business startup uh, 401k option or ROBS uh, for short, where you can actually move some of your retirement funds, some or all, whatever you prefer, into a format of a company uh, that's strictly set up for you and that would allow you to go and buy or leverage your retirement tax-free to go do whatever you wanted to do. And that's a huge opportunity pool for a lot of Americans out there, uh, no matter what subset they're in, you know, how rich or how poor, most of us take the time, if we have the opportunity, uh, to utilize our retirement account by savings there. However, you know, is it going to save or can we deploy it towards, uh, you know, our greater good or our cash flow today versus our cash flow tomorrow? It's just something we're not as aware of. So once I figured out the money situation, I've looked around and I kind of scouted out, you know, potentially where I have some money hidden or some type of financing options. What are some other things that I may need uh, if I decide to go down this path? Sure. So once you figure out the fact that you've got some kind of down payment relationship available, uh, which is going to be important uh, to speak on that a little bit further, uh, it's just a percentage of the deal. Uh, similar to real estate, uh, lenders or financiers are going to want 10 to 30%, depending on what you're looking at. But once you've got that taken care of, uh, the next viable option is going to be figuring out uh, a broker potentially or a solution of where you can find deals. Uh, business brokers are uh, obviously available in every market, every city, every state. Uh, and happily willing to help. But there's also tools out there like uh, Biz by Sell or BizQuest.com, uh, which are kind of the number one and two uh, sites where it's like a Zillow for business transition transactions, where you can look out there every day and see what's out there on the market, how big of deals are out there, how small, and what kind of interests you. Uh, what I like to tell people on my side is that if you're truly uh, looking after the bigger picture, it's more about the cash flow than necessarily your preference of a deal. You know, hey, I'm familiar with uh, dry cleaners or or taco stands kind of thing. Uh, you can really just say, hey, I would like to replace my income and, you know, search by those parameters. Uh, so really figuring out what your personal parameters are, you know, how much money you have, how much you're looking for cash flow, what type of level of uh, influence you want in the organization, how much uh, physical uh, work you'd like to put in, how much time do you have available for the organization, uh, do your skills, personal skills translate to it, uh, will they translate? Uh, so really it's more the self-intrinsic uh, talk next, right? which is what do I really want and uh, how do I go after it, right? If you are a Black-owned business or an investor and you would like to advertise on our show, go ahead and send us a message at djm at djmoultrie.com. Now, back to the show. So when we're talking about cash flow, mm -hmm. let's break that down a little bit for those who may not understand that terminology. Sure. I think a lot of people, they've been hearing about, you know, get your network right and make sure you own assets. 
But the cash flow conversation is kind of not talked about enough. So what is cash flow from your from your perspective? <laughs> yes, I appreciate you asking from my perspective, right? Uh, because uh, I'm formally trained as an accountant and finance kind of guy. And uh, in the accounting world, cash flow means a little something different than what we're talking about in the business acquisition world. Uh, and I'll try to clarify that a bit. Uh, in the accounting world, cash flow is going to be uh, straightforward every transaction that affects the actual cash in the organization, right? Right. So that's going right. to be the ins and outs of spending on employees to, you know, paying for uh, debt all the way to paying for, you know, supplies, tools, and et cetera. So any actual activity that moves cash. Uh a little difference in the business transaction uh, kind of arena or what we're talking about on cash flow, we can describe it a couple different ways uh, in a few different terms. Uh, sometimes we talk to it as seller's discretionary earnings or right. seller discretionary expenses. Uh, and to get into that a little bit, ultimately, uh, the way the business format works is that you can spend money internally to your company on a variety of things. So they could be uh, items that produce revenue, like inventory, you know, hey, I need to buy this uh, Apple to sell the Apple, you know, I need to buy this car to sell the car kind of thing. Uh, they could be things, you know, soft needs, like I need phones and things of that nature to speak with customers, or they could be things that might be uh, fringe benefits, uh, like, hey, I lease a car, you know, uh, I lease an Alfa Romeo to drive around the city, you know, because I take care of customers and talk to them a lot. Now, the, the car may not necessarily uh, produce revenue, but it is a business expense nonetheless. Right. Right. So that is kind of where we get into those fringe benefits, right? The same thing could be said about owners, uh, special insurance for the owners. They might have an extra life, and life insurance policy. They may be paying themselves an exorbitant salary above and beyond what would naturally be fit for that position, right? Uh, they may have extra cell phones. They may have a, a side house, you know, an apartment on the side. Who knows? Uh, so all of that uh, is going to be more of those discretionary expenses or earnings uh, that correlates into business or acquisition cash flow that we would be concerned about. Uh, the reason that's important is because when you're looking at any company, say they make a million dollars in revenue, uh, the natural thing that's next is how much cost of goods sold do they do? Or how many things do they spend money on that actually make them the revenue? And that's the translation of cost of goods sold, right? Past that, once you spend the money that you needed to make the revenue, anything left on the table more or less can be distributed in a variety of ways, right? And so some owners are very creative about that uh, in regards to French benefits. And some owners just take that straight to the bottom line. So net profit could be a part of that cash flow that we see. Uh, ultimately, in the business transaction world, we look for the cash flow that's discretionary income. We don't account for the things that you have to pay employees to make sure the business runs, how much inventory you have to spend to make sure the business runs. That's all going to be a part of the normal financials to operate. However, what we do is we take a subset of details out of that whole picture and say, well, hey, out of all these business expenses, what is it that the owner really benefits from on these expenses? So that usually would start with something like the owner's salary. You know, hey, he's paying himself a million dollars. Well, obviously, 
the next owner gets to take advantage of that. Then it might go on to some things that uh, might be a little bit more accounting related, like depreciation, uh, which is more of a book value thing. Uh, interest, just because the owner, the new owner might buy it in cash uh, versus credit kind of thing. Uh, so he's got the choice of better financing terms or different financing terms. Uh, it could go on to them having French benefits like cars, trucks, planes, trains, so on and so forth. And all of those items are pretty much tallied up to say out internally, the company is spending a million dollars and internal to that company spending of a million dollars. Perhaps the owner discretionarily is taking advantage of half a million dollars of that spending. Well, that half a million is a cash flow that will pretty much be available to you as a new owner. And that is the cash flow that we're kind of talking about in this business acquisition or transition transaction world. Not the accounting straightforward, hey, every dollar that moves in the company, but more specifically, what dollars benefit the owner that are moving in the company? And that's direct benefits, uh, not, you know, hey, maybe one day he'll achieve it. Today, he's physically getting the financial benefit of not having to pay for a car note or taking that salary or whatever it may be in that company's case. So something you just said sticks out to me, mm -hmm. the dollars that benefit the owner. So in order for cash flow to benefit you, you would have to position yourself to be the owner of that asset. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and that's the great thing about business ownership, right? Uh, <laughs> and why mergers and acquisition in this side are is great or beautiful. Uh, truly, an owner has an opportunity to share that growth and wealth of the uh, benefits with his employees to potentially, you know, add incentives to have the company grow further. But by far, you know, the ideal there for an owner is to take full advantage of the growth that he's created himself and by the company growing and having uh, the going concern, you know, that accounting term uh, of it going to, of it being able to grow and build and move this year, the next year and the future years, they're creating something that, you know, is great, you know, that for them, their families and otherwise, you know, consistent cash flow that they get to benefit from directly. Awesome. Now, I do want to get to the other side. If we have a business owner who's already uh, who's, well, who's listening and they own their own businesses and uh, they need to start thinking about exiting, I want to get to that in one second. But before we do that, uh, I wanted to ask, you mentioned uh, not necessarily worrying about uh, the sector that someone is in, but looking at the cash flow. Why do you? Why would you prefer someone pay attention to the cash flow that's coming to them when buying a business rather than, hey, what sector am I going to be in and how am I going to function? Excellent question. Uh, what's important there is what people don't realize who aren't in business or aren't taking the opportunity of uh, business dynamics in uh, daily context is that every business gets to operate completely differently. Uh, because of that paradigm of ownership and the fact that you control what's happening there, you know, you get to make additional expenses or less expenses based on your preference. Uh, you can have uh, a simple example of two donut shops that are across the street from each other. And they make exactly the same amount of gross revenue every year, half a million dollars, for instance. And one donut shop will have cash flow of 
$250,000 and the other donut shop will have cash flow over $100,000. Now, you may love restaurants to death, but still what's going to boggle your mind is what's the difference in the actual operations of that cash flow. Uh, and so that's why it's always going to be most important first. A person, uh, no matter how much revenue they're bringing in the front door, really how they operate the business itself uh, is all going to correlate out to that owner's benefit of cash flow, right? Profitability, how much money the company is making today and how much they potentially will make tomorrow. Uh, so the idea of the going concern is important that uh, we want to be in business to be here for tomorrow. But on the other side of that, uh, we want to be profitable. We want to make sure that we have the best business. And a part of that is obviously providing the best service to customers, the best quality customers, faster, cheaper, smarter, so on and so forth. But it's also being profitable to the company itself, because that's the only way you can take care of your employees and to take care of yourself and your family. I agree. I agree a thousand percent. And speaking of family and speaking of, you know, taking care of your own, there may be people listening who already own their businesses. They already got great cash flow and maybe they haven't been thinking about an exit strategy. Uh, Let's kind of dive into what are some of the steps you should be considering uh, for your succession plan? Perfect. Yeah. I think uh, one of the biggest steps that uh, I like to tell people is that, it's important to have a business valuation done and regularly. I like to tell guys, uh, unfortunately we're mostly male dominated in this society uh, when it comes to businesses. So I like to tell them it's like having an annual checkup, you know, we don't necessarily want to go. We don't, you know, want to have to be there, but we're pretty, we're pretty pleased with the results, you know, if we get them. (laughs) So we want that checkup, you know, every year, the idea that a business could be, uh, building, growing, you know, expiring to do, but not actually knowing what they're worth uh, makes it pretty hard to come up with when it's time to go or when it's time to move on, right? Or when it's time to grow further Uh, because we all have a, you know, a self-motivated desire for what we're trying to achieve. And so that creates a little bias with what we think our company is worth, right? Uh, right. So what I like to think is that it's important for us to see a, a third party, right? Go see that doctor checkup, have a business broker uh, in your area or reach out to me or anyone that you think uh, is trustworthy or helpful and have them go through that business valuation with you. Uh, usually most brokers will provide that service uh, free of charge uh, to a certain degree to where it'll give you enough information to say, hey, well, is this number right for me to make a move right now? And if it's not, then now I need to start discussing in my, you know, internal management group or with my internal personal core, you know, how do I get to that number? You know, what is the next step for me to make sure that I achieve what I actually want to achieve? And then of course, actually knowing uh, after the conversation that we're having, that succession is a possibility. Uh, The old uh, guard thought process was that, we're creating the business for the family, you know, and that uh, we're going to leave it to the family and that the next generation is going to take that forward and, and, you know, do better than I did, you know, go further than I went. And that is something that, uh, you know, I like in concept. However, there's a generational, uh, I guess, curse going on uh, where people don't want to do what their parents did. 
You know, that's not happening anymore. Nobody wants to do what their parents did. It, no, no matter how well off they were, no matter how loving of a household they had, uh, the new generational thought is that I want to make my own way. You know, I want to make my own path. And so more and more people are seeing that they don't have a succession plan that they not thought was naturally there. That, hey, you know, little junior is going to pick up the reins and take this on. It usually converts into, you know, junior decides he's doing something else. He moves far from home. He only visits. And, you know, now what do I do? So just having a mindset or understanding that it's a possibility, you know, interchange and the market is there and available. If you've got a viable business, there is uh, somebody out there who's interested, right? So the very first step is to figure out how much you're worth. And is that number right for you? How much are you worth? I like that. Mm-hmm. And so once I, once I understand how much the company is worth, then what do I, what, what do I consider? Yes. So at that point, usually the next step is going to be taking that family or intrinsic, uh, you know, assessment of what does the business mean to you and what you might do next uh, if you disposition the business, right? Uh, a lot of this is going to be very emotional content, uh, which is surprising uh, for, for a male to say that, you know, in a male-dominated industry. But what people don't realize is that the time spent, you know, cultivating a business uh, is immense, you know, especially when somebody's created that concept, you know. They've been there for years and years, you know, in there the long hours and the hard days and, you know, hard nights kind of thing. They might have spent more time there than with their actual family in certain aspects or in certain cases. So, you know, the idea that they're taking care of other people's families by having employees, you know, all those are things that uh, people uh, cherish, you know, as a part of the economic good that they bring forth of having a business or owning a business. Uh, So they've really got to take that time to send back and say, hey, you know, what does it mean to me? And am I okay with not having this in my life daily? You know, if you've been here, you know, for the last 10 years, every day at 7 a.m. and out of here at 6, what happens in year 11, you know, when you're not doing that anymore? And that's a serious question to ask yourself because uh, I've talked to a lot of guys at different ages and some people's thoughts is, you know, when you're not working, you die. You know, so you you want activity, you know, you want to believe that your life is fulfilled with something. Obviously, I don't believe that work is the only thing you want to fill it with. But you've got to know that if you spent a lot of time in that, you know, environment or at that organization, that you've got to fill that gap elsewhere. You know, now, hopefully that's with the grandkids or spending more time with family, or it could be perhaps just going into a new industry, maybe expanding into You've done this so long, let's go buy another company, you know, or let's do it again, even bigger or better, or just something different that uh, takes less effort for me, you know. Maybe I only have to show up a couple days a week instead of every day, but it gives me still activity and fulfillment, you know, and joy in my life. I think this is a really great perspective, especially for those listening in who want to become owners of a company as you hear this, you know, the other side you're able to understand that they're really entrusting you with something that they put so much time and energy into. And so you want to make sure that you're taking this uh, very seriously. Yes, we want you to get the cash flow. We want you to have generational wealth, but we want you to understand that you're about to walk into something that has, you know, been 
been built for the last 10, 15, 20 years, if not more. Uh, so it's time to take, you know, this, you know, these steps very, very serious exactly. if you're going to go down this path. Absolutely. You brought up a great point. Uh, although there's this generational absence about uh, interchanging the legacy uh, directly internal to their own family, it still doesn't change the factor uh, that they want that legacy to continue, you know, and be consistent. You know, if I've created a great company that has served the community well and the customer base well, you know, the next day, even though I'm not the owner, I still have a pride and ownership that they're still serving the community well. You know, it's just under your regime or under your hat versus under mine. Uh, so that is a good point. You know, nobody wants to sell their business for it to go away and, you know, be destroyed. Uh, they're hoping that they're giving this opportunity to create generational wealth, but that you're going to do it better and bigger than they could. And that's really why they want to trust you. It's not only about the money, of course. Right. And so uh, one of the things that's going to be very vital uh, to being in this space is having the right relationship with a business broker like yourself. What are uh, one or two things that you can give advice on for those who are looking to, to come into the space? Maybe they don't get the opportunity to work with you. What is the best thing to look for in a broker so you know that you're working with someone uh, that, you know, has, has the same vision as you. Absolutely. Well, I would say, you know, everybody has an opportunity to work with me, DJ. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now by chance, they don't happen to reach out to me or call me. Uh, I would say probably the most important is to get someone who's honest. Uh, okay. It is a sales industry. Don't get me wrong. This is a sales position that I'm in. Uh, but I don't want you to think that I'm selling it. Right. Uh, and that's because you should be sold by the facts. You know, if a company doesn't sit well with you about the details and the facts, then you sh you don't want a guy who's going to upsell you on it. You know, you don't want a guy who's going to, uh, you know, take it an extra distance and, and not tell you something that's vital to the situation. Uh, just because it's bad doesn't mean you can't get, you know, get with it anyway. Uh and I've seen that in a lot of deals, you know, that there's things that aren't the uh, best vision for the new owner, but that's more of an opportunity for the new owner versus a negative, you know, hey, he never did marketing before, you know, but I don't want you to be dishonest and not tell me. I'd rather you tell me so I can know how to plan in the future kind of thing. Uh, so being honest is important, right? Uh, having some experience uh, is going to be important as well. Uh, obviously, I'm not uh, going to say they should have unlimited listings or a million because uh, that's not necessarily going to be the best guy in the industry uh, just because they have a lot of activity. Uh, but you want someone who has seen it before, right? Not someone who's kind of telling you from a third party viewpoint of how maybe things are possible. Uh, you do want a little experience in history just because when you get into the deal points, uh, when it's time to cut a deal, you want someone you can actually lean on and ask a question and can actually give you a value added response. You know, Hey, I was thinking about this point of the deal. You know, what do you think? And they can sit in the middle, not be, you know, subjective and say, Hey, if I were the buyer or seller, I would think that this is a good way to go about it. Uh, those kind of guys can help you over and over uh, they can be a good partner with you, especially if you're expanding on your first opportunity or if you're looking to expand, you know, consistently. Uh, I'd say one thing uh, statistically that I didn't bring up 
is uh, not surprising to me just because I understand that people aren't very familiar with the industry. But no matter uh, how many people and how many businessmen you know, it turns out that 85% of buyers or acquisition uh, owners for businesses are first-time buyers. So, you know, you shouldn't be shamed that you, you're not, you know, an expert, right? Uh, even the businessman around the corner and up the street who has a great performing business, he's not an expert either because he started his business. He didn't acquire it. He didn't, you know, he built it from square one and he might not know about acquisitions. So having that broker in your corner uh, and that familiarity is important. Uh, but obviously also having a CPA that you can trust, an attorney you can trust, uh, and other familiar parties to have a holistic team is going to be important as well, right? Those other guys may can't bring a deal to the table, but obviously they've got some value that they can add to your taxable scenarios and your legal uh, scenarios and your liabilities, things of that nature. Now, you did mention, you said that everybody has the opportunity to work with you. What does that look like? If I reach out to you, what are some of the first things that we'll go through if I'm going down the path of uh, buying a business and then we'll get to if I'm going through the path of, of possibly selling a business? Sure. So, uh, obviously, uh, the nature of our my business is uh, usually I acquire or I do a lot of marketing to sellers regularly, Right. Uh, I go in and help them and provide them with a uh, value-added service of the valuation. And if they are ready to move on to the market, then I help market them and solicit uh, buyers to get the transaction closed. So that means naturally when a buyer uh, would approach me, I will already have some sort of businesses available on the market, right? Uh, to be able to show them, is there something within my direct wheelhouse uh, that's available that obviously I believe in, I back with, uh, you know, my stamp of approval kind of thing. Uh, is that something that makes sense for them? And if not, I take them into a more buyer's program scenario where I can help them actually search and destroy, right? Uh, if it's in my portfolio or if it's in another broker's portfolio, we're a pretty handy group out here. We're willing to work together uh, pretty effectively uh, just because we know, you know, Sometimes people need a hand. Uh, so what I do is we go through parameters. We talk more in detail about what it is your goals are. What, what are you trying to do specifically? How much effort or you know, opportunity points can you apply to the deal? Uh, do you have time for this? Is it something absentee or not? And based on the parameters, I help uh, those buyers go and search and seek out companies that fall in line with their parameter set. Uh, no matter if they're locally based or nationwide, uh, I work with them on the deals. I help them find things that make sense. And then I help work through to the closing process uh, so that they'll have someone in their corner uh, to make sure that they feel comfortable with whatever deal they closed on. Awesome. And if if I'm coming to you as a seller, I know you, you mentioned uh, a little bit about that, but if I'm coming to you as a seller, uh, what are some of the things to look uh, for us to, you know, in the beginning of the stages as a, of us talking, what are some of the first things that we'll do? Absolutely. So I like to, uh, and of course, partial necessity for me uh, is to engage guys with more of a, a opener understanding of their business. So just an open dialogue uh, is how I started. 
I want to understand, you know, what's the ins and outs of the companies, you know, what's the subset, where do the customers come from, you know, how does it work really? Who's the most important person at your company? You know, who's the second most important person? Uh, you know, who talks to customers? How do we get them? Uh, where are the where are the products coming from? Uh, so on and so forth. So I try to get a great or a good uh, gist of the understanding of the the circumstance of the business. You know, where they sit, where they are, and how does it work? Uh, ins and outs. And then obviously that secondary thing we're going to get to is that valuation, right? And I like to take a fact-based approach. So we always do valuations uh, strictly based off the uh, tax details or profit and loss or financial statements, hopefully provided by their accountant or CPA. Uh, and we get into the nitty gritty of that financial side. Uh, once I can combine both of those two pieces, then I can tell a great story to any buyer about obviously the financial advantages that they're going to be able to have uh, by owning the company, you know. Uh, and then the other side is what's really the growth opportunity? Where's the future in this business? Uh, where, where's the next turn on the market? I'd say the great thing uh, about uh, getting to sit down and have these chats with business owners is I get to talk to guys about their most favorite thing. You know, it's, it's sometimes their favorite son, you know, that have their, business, you know, so they're excited. You know, they, they tell me lots of things and they tell me things that maybe other people don't know. Uh, they tell me things about what they would do if they were younger. Right. You know, 25 years ago, if I saw this market today, it'd be a different game. Right. And all of that's important uh, because no matter how smart uh, the next guy I think he is, thinks he is, you know, everybody thinks that they're Steve Jobs, you know, so great. I'm going to sell that you should be the Steve Jobs of this company. However, you've got to know that they had a base before you got there. You know, they, they had something going on. They had a little computer knowledge before you got there. You're just the guy who's going to change the marketing dynamic. You're going to change the sales dynamic, the customer. You're going to change the branding, whatever that extra piece to the table you're going to bring is. You never want to forget and, you know, throw away everything that they gave you before. And so I try to gain that insight to be able to translate to the buyers uh, all within my, you know, subset of understanding the seller, what they do and, you know, what their business is. So a lot of what you do is all centered around relationships and understanding uh, both sides so you can properly give everyone what they're looking for a perfect match for what they're looking for in the acquisitions uh, space. Absolutely. Awesome. So how do people work with you? Uh, how do they contact you? What is the best way if anyone's listening that would, uh, that would love to work with you, how do they go about doing that? Absolutely. Obviously we're out there on social media. Uh, check out the website, uh, www.rivercityba.com. Uh, obviously, you can email me directly uh, at Xavier at RiverCityBA.com or contact at RiverCityBA.com. Uh, email is great for us. Phone number is great. Obviously, 817-710-5893. Uh, I, I'm extension two, but obviously anyone at the company can help you uh, get towards your destination. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for the market. Uh, really, really uh, am happy to always give out more knowledge and information about it uh, just because I see uh, that there's a huge lack of information or, or understanding uh, that this is an opportunity for people, you know, that most of us can change tomorrow 
uh, what we're doing and not necessarily have to, you know, take the negative impact of it, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, when I first found out about acquiring businesses, it, it was like, uh, I remember being real young when I found out about it. I said, why wouldn't everybody think about doing this? Yeah. Because it, it, can, it can really alter the way you even view society. It would change everything. It will change everything. It will change the way you you view every interaction, in my opinion. I agree. I think uh, that that's why I'm so fired up and passionate about it. Obviously, I started with uh, wanting to do my own acquisitions. And just mm-hmm. based on the lack of knowledge and space in the industry, I found or I felt that it was a great place to be. You know, maybe I can help more people uh, by helping these transactions move uh, back and forth. And that I'll be a guy who's a little different than everybody else in the field who can share to a different crowd uh, and can explain to them, you know, I, I get it. I know you want to create things and I know you want to say everything's yours and you own it all and you made it. And that was something of the past that was teached, you know, and preached often. Uh, however, I think if all of them knew that they could have took this shortcut, <laughs> they could have went from zero to 60. They could have skipped negative cash flow, which is the, the you know, bane of creationism. Uh, you know, those, those years or months or weeks that, you know, you have to put more money in that, than it's been returned to you. Uh, if you could skip that and get straight to focusing on actual activities of business that are productive and are, are revenue achieving, then maybe the kind of companies that we own as a community would be much further, you know, maybe they would have grown to be the billion dollar companies that exist out there uh, because mergers and acquisitions is a huge opportunity pool uh, for companies that even if they aren't thinking about succession, the best way to get a new market is to buy one. You know, you don't have to go out there and figure out how, if you're in Texas, how you go to Florida and replicate what you've done. You just go buy up Florida Joe, you know, and start with him and, you know, (laughs) reinforce what you've done. Uh, You know, just trickle him into your economics of the idea of your specialty or what you bring to the table. So there, there are even a lot of entrepreneurs out there right now who own good organizations and good companies and maybe aren't looking for succession. Uh, but growth, that's the biggest way and the biggest opportunity for growth these days is mergers and acquisitions. The large corporate uh, America version of us obviously proves that every day with uh, new companies, you know, forming or, you know, reforming, uh, being soaked up or, you know, absorbed in various ways. The same thing on the, the smaller spectrum, uh, obviously not to say that any of your businesses out there are small, uh, that is very much a relative term, but on our side of the spectrum, we can do the same thing. You know, we can collectively gain other organizations that are the same as ours or different, you know, maybe there's something that makes a, a better revenue flow because it's a different part of the food chain that we have, you know? So all of those are real possibilities for us, no matter what level of organization we're at, mergers and acquisition, there's a place for us all, you know, whether we're everyday Joe, who's never owned a business and just thinking about changing his paradigm from corporate to a guy who's owned this business forever and is thinking about growth to a guy who's ready to end his cycle of business and is thinking about succession. Uh, so there's a piece for everybody in there. 
thank you so much, Xavier Egan, for coming on the Black Equity Podcast. You know the doors are open if you want to return, uh, continue this conversation. Uh, maybe one of our listeners ends up working with you. We can sit down and kind of go through what their, you know, what their journey was of acquiring their first business. And I look forward to, you know, having those conversations in the future. Excellent. I really appreciate you guys, what you're doing, and thanks for the invite. Thank you. We are truly grateful for today's guest. If you are interested in becoming an approved Black Equity Strategic Partner with this company or one in the past, simply send us an interest inquiry to the following email, djm at djmotri.com. Once again, djm at djmotri.com. Let us know your name, your company, your services, and which guest you are interested in partnering with. As an approved partner, you will have exclusive access to our network and have first opportunity at future partnerships as well. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to join us on the next episode of the Black Equity Podcast.